2024 is a season of expectations for the Cincinnati Reds. We are going to discuss just how high those expectations are with the guy that will be describing the action each and every day in each and every one of those games this season. That's on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. You just heard him. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. We encourage you. If this is your first time checking out Locked On Reds, make sure that you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, click that subscribe button and click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. We're going to be with you every single day because we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And on today's show, John Sadak, the play-by-play voice for your Cincinnati Reds on Bally Sports, is with us. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to look at Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz, the surefire middle of the infield that, well, there's already questions about. We'll get into those questions and what John Sadak thinks of those. We'll also look at the pitching staff a little bit later on in the show and kind of how he's feeling about that. There were some moves made and there's a lot of upside, but there's a lot of question marks. John is plugged into all of that. Plus, what is going to happen with this lineup and why is it the strength of the team? We'll dive into that all on today's podcast that is brought to you by Game Time. Check out the Game Time app today, download it, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's jump into our conversation. We started off talking about Matt McClain with John Sadak. All right, if you're watching on YouTube, as you can see on your screen right there, and if you're listening on the audio, special guest for you today, we are joined by the television play-by-play voice of your Cincinnati Reds, John Sadak is here. John, so excited to have you here on the show once again. Um, you know, you've been a real friend to this show and a friend to me, and, and just appreciate you taking the time to be here and talk about some Reds baseball now that spring training is underway. Oh, thank you for having me, and uh, I, I love the chance to to connect with your audience and with you guys. And I think there's reason for a lot of optimism entering the 2024 season. All right, let's dive into some talk about this team. Uh, we've been hearing a lot coming out of Goodyear. Some of it really, really encouraging, really, really exciting. Uh, some really not so encouraging, exciting news as the injury bug starts to bite. And I want to start with one of those injury bugs because uh, it, it got a hold of my guy. I have been a fan of Matt McClain since well before the time that he got to the big league club. And we see that he's retweaked, re-injured, re-aggravated, whichever one of the words you want to use, that oblique strain that he was dealing with at the end of last year. And, you know, the, the, the phrase that comes to mind when you hear that is, well, it's not great, Bob, because this is the guy that I was kind of counting on to, to be the driver. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's going to derail him now, but it's going to slow him down. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you got to watch in Matt McClain over the course of last year's and what your hope for him is for the 2024 baseball season. I thought he was the Reds' best player in 2023. When he was healthy, he impacted games more consistently than any other Red. 
Uh, Spencer Steer had a tremendous season, and his defensive versatility is a huge help. And being healthy and able to play is a big deal. There is a lot of value in that. Steer was healthy and able to play the entire year. McLean did end the year injured. But Matt McLean's ability is just sensationally outstanding. And he has some position versatility, too. You know, we're going to see him at shortstop, perhaps, at times, and at second base. Uh, but the bat is just excellent. Uh, the short arms play really well. I, I think he has tremendous feel for the strike zone. He can do damage. He's got power. Um, and he's still so young and still figuring out who he is. But the combination of the, the feel and hit tool, his raw athleticism, uh, I think he could actually become a solid, good base stealer, too. He's got the foot speed to be able to do that. He's just a baseball player in, in every sense of the word. I love the guy. Yeah, his the news about his injury was concerning to hear, but also it kind of underscored the importance of the offseason that Nick Crawl has had, uh, bringing in some different players. I know that uh, you know a player that initially, whenever the move was made, Jamer Candelario, there were a lot of folks that were like, well, we already had too many infielders. What the heck? Now that kind of looks like a savvy move. If you run into issues like this with Matt McClain, or if you if you have maybe somebody that's going through a slump or something like that, it feels like this roster is able to sort of move and kind of cover up any inadequacies. Is that how you feel whenever you look at who is out there on the field for the Reds? Yeah, I think so, and I think you know David Bell is has done it and has said that he'll be doing it again this year. He, he essentially treats all of them as if they're starters. Mm -hmm. And to me, the make or break success of this red season, because many of these players have independently outright spoken of the playoffs being the goal as it should be. I mean, that, that's the next step. They had a winning record last year. They weren't eliminated until the next, the last day of the regular season. The next step is to make the playoffs. Um, now that said, in order to make the playoffs, in my opinion, one of their great strengths is their depth. You know, they have double-digit guys competing for five starting rotation spots. They have a, a gluttony of talent, particularly on the infield among their position players. Uh, that said, I think decisions by management, a combination of David Bell with the lineup day-to-day -day and bullpen usage, and the front office in terms of who's active on the roster during the course of the year, riding the hot hand, knowing when to get off somebody who's cold and weaving the, the injuries that are going to erupt and arrive and, and the regression, like, let's get ready for that. Like last year, there were a bunch of dudes that made their major league debuts that just about all really hit. And, and, and I'm including pitchers. I mean, hit the ground running. We're super successful. Right. Arguably the outlier to that was Ellie whose first three weeks were sensational and thereafter, he was not nearly as consistent. Almost everyone else, I think, met or exceeded what reasonable expectation was for them to perform in their first year. Baseball is hard. At least <laughs> one, probably more than one of them, is going to regress. That's just, it's like, and that doesn't mean he's done. That doesn't mean right. that he can't be a good big league player. It doesn't mean he can't help them win this year, even if he's slightly regressed. But that's going to happen. So I think the timing of when and how they decide who plays when, who's on the roster when, is going to determine the ceiling of success of this Reds team. And I think having that depth you're talking about is critical to allow you to make those decisions. Let's stay right there on Ellie De La Cruz for just a minute. You mentioned that Matt McClain will be playing primarily second base. We heard that from David Bell and that he will spell Ellie at shortstop. But that Ellie De La Cruz is going to be the shortstop for this team primarily 
in 2024. Uh, mm-hmm. Given what we saw from him and the the slump that you allude to, you know, his first three weeks was gangbusters, and we saw you know all of the energy in the ballpark and some of those moments and and those calls from you. You know, I talk about it every time somebody posts one of the highlights, whether it's that ball had a family or the cycle call, uh, the energy and the that you brought to that. You know, some of the most exciting moments of baseball we've had in a long, long time were wrapped up in that Ellie De La Cruz package. But he did struggle. And to have him be, I don't know if anointed is the right word, or penciled in, or given, or handed, do you feel like that's the right call? Was that the right play for the Reds to take with Ellie to tell him right out of the gate, you're going to be our shortstop, you're going to go out there and play, uh, this is where you're going to be, now go out there and mash the ball. I I think that was the right approach, but I'm curious to your thoughts on it. All right, before John answers that, and John has lots of thoughts on Ellie De La Cruz, which we're going to dive into coming up in just a minute, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast, and that is Game Time. Jeff and I have spent a lot of time talking to you about the Game Time app. We use this app all the time when we head down to the ballpark in downtown Cincinnati. We find a good parking spot. We head over to the banks. We find a good place for a beverage and good place to get some lunch. And then before we head over to the ballpark, we jump onto the Game Time app and get the best deals for last minute tickets. You can take out all of the guesswork with buying tickets simply by using the Game Time app. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. So that's going to be $20 off already discounted rates to go to your favorite sporting events. And even if you're not heading to a sporting event, you can use this for concerts. You can use this for the Cyclones. You can use this during football season for the Bengals. Uh, you can go to all kinds of things using the Game Time app. Again, just download the app, create an account, use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Uh, you can download the Game Time app today. Get last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts like Jeff and I, plus our national shows covering each and every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Coming up on the next episode of Locked on Reds, we're going to have more from John Sadak. He believes the Reds are hard for the projection systems to nail down, just like we do. He's going to explain why tomorrow. But before we get to that, there is lots more to go with John Sadak today, and we're going to dive right back into that right now. Let's stay right there on Ellie De La Cruz for just a minute. You mentioned that Matt McClain will be playing primarily second base. We heard that from David Bell and that he will spell Ellie at shortstop, but that Ellie De La Cruz is going to be the shortstop for this team primarily in 2024. Uh, mm-hmm. Given what we saw from him and the the slump that you allude to, you know, his first three weeks was gangbusters and we saw, you know, all of the energy in the ballpark and some of those moments and and those calls from you, you know, I talk about it every time somebody posts one of the highlights whether it's that ball had a family or the cycle call, uh, the energy and the that you brought to that. You know, some of the most exciting moments of baseball we've had in a long long time were wrapped up in that Ellie De La Cruz package. But he did struggle. And to have him be, I don't know if anointed is the right word or penciled in or given or handed, do you feel like that's the right call? Was that the right play for the Reds to take with Ellie to tell him right out of the gate, you're going to be our shortstop, you're going to go out there and play, uh, this is where you're going to be, now go out there and mash the ball. I I think that was the right approach, but I'm curious to your thoughts on it. 
Decidedly, yes, because what's the alternative? Like, he, he has nothing to prove at AAA. He dominated the level. He was a video game player. So the learning curve is learning at the big league level. And I think you need to asterisk him. I think there's a lot of parallels, actually, between Ellie and Hunter Green in the the lack of pro experience, and, and meaning minor league experience relative to their age and, you know, draft or signing year peers is pretty significant. Neither guy played that much in the minor leagues. Uh, there's weight in that. There's learning how to adjust that that comes with that kind of repetition and experience. Um, yeah, Ellie has a lot of things that you have to consider. Um, number one is he's one of the toolsiest players around. I mean, he has outstanding raw ability. He has an infectious love for the game. With his athleticism and instincts running the bases and his power alone, he can and did. We saw it last year. Even at times when he was in a slump, he won games for the Reds. And it's really hard to do as a single position player. He won games by himself. Um, I think you know, his height is both a, a blessing and a curse. It, it does help with some of his leverage and creating some of his power, but with long levers can come pitchability. And I think a combination of recognizing off-speed stuff, being able to fight it off, which is why the news we're hearing about his off-season, that he's he spent this time with Juan Soto, that he got drills from Robinson Cano, that he's working on trying to go the opposite way to stay back more. That's exactly the kind of stuff that he should be doing. Working with one of the masters of recognizing pitches and knowing the strike zone and, and working with someone who's a very, very good generational hitter at how to go the opposite way. Um, and, yeah, it looked like he eliminated the leg lift. Uh, now, what does that really mean? I think over the next six weeks, we're hoping, and I, I and Nick Crawl has talked about this, there's greater weight to spring training this year legitimately than ever before. I think that's more on the pitching side, particularly with starters, in terms of the weight of the results. But I would expect Ellie to destroy spring training pitching, or at least have a very, very good spring training. And I don't know how, how much that truly matters. Like, what's really going to matter is when we see what happens in the regular season. Uh, but I have full confidence that he should have full confidence. He, he is this team shortstop. And could he be challenged by someone else at some point? Yeah, like Arroyo's coming. If, yep. it's, it's a matter of time until Arroyo is, we would hope and think, until he's also big league ready. Um, but Ellie has demonstrated that he is very capable of handling the big leagues. And he's still so young and so inexperienced. He has done all the right things that he can do to prepare himself. And now the, the game is hard and we're going to see what happens. But I also think, you know, if, if he becomes the best version of himself, what he was the first three weeks, I mean, you have an MVP candidate for the next decade. If he can just slightly improve, if he can hit 250, if he can cut the strikeout rate by 5%, that adds up. If he can walk an extra... 15 to 20 times a year that's a big deal that guy wins you a lot of games and he can still grow and get better because he's still so young um so i i think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic while also you know you, you couch some reservation that yeah there were obvious flaws that the league adjusted to and if and when he adjusts to those adjustments new adjustments will come that that that's the game and, uh, and so i think this is a challenge and encouraging and that's also why I think when David Vellas talked at length this spring about uh, the mindset, I thought Charlie Goldsmith had an outstanding piece on, on Ellie's offseason and that the check-in from David and Freddie Benavides was more about, um, you know, 
silencing the outside noise, staying steely focused on what's ahead, like be ready to be a great player. And there's a lot that legitimately goes into that. Um, and, and he is checking all the boxes to this point. He is beloved by his teammates. And I'm very bullish on Ellie De La Cruz. I was happy to hear you talk about the defensive piece a little bit uh, during your talk there, because one of the things we saw from Ellie were, were errors that, you know, really he's got to stop making. He's got to get a little bit more consistent there at the shortstop position. I'm happy to hear of the work he put in, in the off season. And I'm sure you've seen coming out of Goodyear the last couple days, uh, he's been working with the other half of your home broadcast booth mm -hmm. on a daily basis with Barry Larkin out there uh, working infield drills with both Ellie De La Cruz and Noel B. Marte. And I think that's great to see, to get that hall of fame knowledge out there and, and help to dial in that defense. Because while I think you're absolutely right, we can't look at Ellie's offensive production in spring training and really correlate that to what that looks like in the regular season. But what we can look at is how he plays the defensive position of shortstop. And if he eliminates those errors and takes that 99 mile per hour throw across the infield and pinpoints it to that first baseman's mitt, if he can do that consistently and be an above average defender at shortstop all year long, that's going to help the, the Reds just as much as cutting the strikeout percentage by three to 5%, just as much as the, the added walks, because as much as he can give you an adding runs, I think he has the capability if he dials in at that shortstop position to take that many runs away from the other guy as well, just with the range that he brings to the table. Yeah, I would agree. And I, and I would echo what you're saying about Lark. I mean, I think he, he has a tremendous amount of baseball knowledge and a real passion for the game. And he was a highly accomplished player. But if I had to pinpoint, what do I think Barry recognizes and handles the best of everything it's nuanced technique in middle infield. I mean, the amount of conversation that we have even off air, watching guys in warm-up drills, sometimes even for the opponent, what he can see in two ground balls that encapsulates everything of the player. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of the shortlist of the great shortstops of this generation, either pre-draft or even once they've been to the big leagues, have sought him out to work out in the offseason. He notices things. He can articulate it in a way that the player can understand. He can give repeatable drills and a means to an end to try to correct wrongs or accentuate and improve strengths. Um, so I'm exactly with you. I mean, I love the fact that we're seeing him at spring training with big league players in uniform with a glove on going through that. Um, I mean, the red staff is robust with a, a bunch of guys that really want to make these players better. And they, they tailor a lot of the work personally to them. But I also think when you have institutional knowledge of an all time great at a single position who, yes, obviously had amazing God given ability, but he has a cerebral breakdown of the nuance to it. It's not just some of the all-time greats, bluntly, we all know this, are not very good coaches because it's hard for them to describe, like, we'll just go make the play. That's what I did. <laughs> um, Barry has a lot of great God-given talent, um, but he also very much thinks about, breaks down, intellectually understands how to do things and how to communicate that to someone else. And, and I'm, ex I'm exactly with you. I, I think that's a huge, huge upswing for this team to try to improve that element. Pinpointing the most important player on the Reds roster may be next to impossible, but there is one guy that few people are talking about who can make a huge impact this year. We'll tell you who that is coming up next. Before we get about get into that, want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors as this episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel. 
FanDuel has a great offer for you today. If you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and your first $5 or your first winning $5 bet will get you $150 in bonus bets back as basketball is getting into the conference championship season of college basketball and the NBA is starting back after the all-star break. There's no better time to jump into FanDuel than right now. They've got all kinds of great ways to get into the game. You can talk about prop bets. You can talk about over-unders. Uh, point spreads and money lines, all of the above. Plus, if you're watching a game on TV and you put together a same game parlay, you're going to enjoy that game a little bit more. Trust me. Also, you can get into some MLB futures. The line for the Reds over under win total has moved backward, making it easier for the Reds to hit the over, which they're going to do. But they moved it from 82 and a half to 81 and a half. So, Take the over. That's at fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, new users winning $5 bets get $150 in bonus bets back. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA and the official sports book locked on. In between shows, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two F's. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. There's no F's in that. You can also join the Lockdown Reds Discord page. We've got a link in the description of today's episode. A lot of great folks talking Reds baseball all year long, uh, on and off, in between episodes, all throughout the day. There's great topics as well as like gaming and stuff like that. Some folks playing MLB the show. It's a great way to connect with other Reds fans. Again, that link is in today's episode description. Also, bookmark insidethereds.com. Steve and myself are writing about the Reds over there, as well as James Rapine and Austin Elmore, Caleb Sisk, Rick Uchino, a lot of great guys writing about the Reds. That's insidethereds.com. All right, let's jump back in. Uh, plenty of pitching conversation coming your way with John Sadak. I feel like we've probably talked about this player already, but when you look at this season coming up, and it's hard to say just one guy is this most important player on a 26-man roster, but when you kind of look at what's at stake, what the Reds need, what really needs to improve from last season, and who gets them there, who is the most important player on this roster? Mm, I, I don't know if I could label a single most important because I, I think the depth allows to kind of cover up a lot of that stuff. I'll give you a guy, though, that I think is kind of below the radar that I'm not, um, you know, through other media or for, from the fan stuff that I'm reading about, you know, in advance of the year. I don't hear nearly as many people speak about Tyler Stevenson. Mm -hmm. If Tyler Stevenson can get back to what he was like when he broke in, when he had that first regular look at catcher, Oh my goodness, what a giant bonus that would be. Um, and he, he's been quoted multiple times in this opening week of camp talking about significantly wanting to improve behind the plate. I know he and JR House work tirelessly in all phases of what he's doing behind the plate. Um, but I, I would love to see him get back to that that steady heartbeat, big moment, ice in his veins, live an opposite way, whatever power comes, comes kind of role where he could – I think float up and down the lineup even more too. a high contact version of him. That's a gap doubles guy. That's going to hit some homers I think can be anywhere. And in the, the malleable matchup related lineup that David Bell's going to employ again, as he did last year, I think he becomes a giant weapon in that regard. Um, and a critical piece of this pitching staff too. 
I you love know, the. Jeff and I did a whole show on this, John, talking about exactly what you're just saying and where we landed on this with him is the fact now that he doesn't have to be the engine that drives this lineup, that he mm -hmm. can just show up and, and play his game. And, and, and if he gets to be that guy, that guy you were describing, and that's the same guy that Jeff and I were talking about with that gap power, with that, with that ease of swing. And, and that's your seven, eight, nine hitter in a lineup. That's got, you know, a bunch of mashers one through the rest of the way uh, he could have a huge year. And, and, and I think you're right. Not enough people are talking about that. Yeah, and I, and I think that's almost a good thing. You know, it's I, I kind of like when the Reds are below the radar. I kind of like yeah. when nobody expects anything from them. And that's going to be actually one of the challenges this year is that, I, I mean, I think the other teams in the game are very acutely aware of the Reds and their talent and their potential. Um, and to kind of, you know, uh, echo what you were just talking about, I, I think the lineup is one of the great strengths of this team. Uh, I, I expect them to score runs. Now, when they run into the back end of the Brewers' bullpen, that's going to be a big test. If you want to try to make the playoffs or win the division, being able to have some success against that group that very few in all of baseball do, that's hard. And that's going to be one of the challenges of this team. But, it, but I expect them to be highly explosive and score a lot of runs. I, I also think we're going to see a lot of use of the bench during the course of games um, in very strong, effective fashion. Um, the To me, the bigger questions about the team's success are going to come from Who's healthy in the starting rotation? How productive are they? Um, and I also think, knock on wood, you know, that the bullpen last year was absurdly healthy. I mean, bullpens tend to get hurt a lot throughout the game. Um, and, you know, I, I do believe in the law of averages, and I, I really hope nothing happens to that group. But the, the Reds were super fortunate. So I, yeah. I think sometimes anytime we enter any season – uh, you, you kind of just like ink in certainties that are never certainties that the, this game is really hard and there's a lot of random chaos that can erupt at some point and what makes this team good, how they're good um, could come about in a way that somewhat surprises us. Yeah. That was something that I think we got. I mean, I know I got a lot of pushback from and, and really, we talked about it all throughout the year was that the bullpen was such a key part of the reason that the Reds were still anywhere near the playoff race. They were really good. Right. They were a huge part of their success. And coming into the year, if you'd have told me that, I'd have said you were crazy because they were they were running it back with pretty much the same crew that they had the year before that was really mediocre at best. And then they just kind of exploded. And then Nick crawled this offseason went in and he added to it. He brought in Emilio Pagan. He brought in Brent Suter. He brought in, you know, Nick Martinez, who's going to start some, he's going to relieve some. He brought back Buck Farmer. TJ Antone is looking healthy and he's looking ready to go. This bullpen looks like it's about to be refreshed. And then they add in Frankie Montas to the starting rotation mix. Like when you look at a pitching staff that overall was much maligned and, and it was heavily due to, you know, just the way that the starting rotation sort of fell off a cliff and, and dealt with injuries so much last year. How are you feeling about a, a, a crew that really has a lot of question marks and it's going to have to prove it throughout the year, but it feels like it has so much talent and so much upside. Yeah. I mean, I, I think outside of a very short list number of teams, um, there aren't many pitching staffs in all the baseball that are that like solid locked in, you know, exactly what you're going to get. Right. Um, I mean, just dive down the Twitter uh, rabbit hole. 
of looking up fan and journalist threads of almost every other team and the exact same complaints that you see about team a you see about team b and team c and team d about the manager about the lineup about the roster it's all the same because the game is really hard um i think the depth is the number one thing um i also love i i would say you know the the additions they made i really really like particularly the leadership element that we're hearing early in camp that already they're they're starting to kind of shepherd and take under their wings some of these younger players that are several years into their big league career, but disjointed some for many of them as a result of injury. Um, so it, not all second, third seasons are created equal in that regard. Um, and I really like, and this is something we've heard before, so you, you take it with a grain of salt. You don't know what's going to truly translate. But I like the idea that some of these returning starters are toying with adding another pitch. And, and toying is maybe the wrong word. It sounds more significant than that. I mean, when I saw Graham Ashcraft, not this offseason, last offseason, he talked to me about working on trying to include a changeup. And then by the time the season came, or, you know, later stage of spring training, and I spoke to him about it, he's like, yeah, you know, it, it, it never quite felt right. I didn't have it where I, I wanted to be. But now he's doing it again. And it, he didn't just start doing this. Assuredly, he's been working on this for a long span of time, along with trying to, you know, sharpen his overall command of everything else. I mean, Hunter Green with the splitter, something that we heard about during the course of last year at a curveball. Um, that's a big deal. Like, that's part of the, the yeah, generational of next step of what these guys can do. Um and so I, I'm very, very eager to see how those extra, you know, weapons in the tool belt can aid them and what version of themselves they're going to wind up being. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Don't forget that coming up tomorrow, we've got more John Sadak. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. So everydayers, tune back in tomorrow because John believes the Reds are hard for the projection systems to nail down just like we did. And he's going to explain why he thinks that on tomorrow's show. In the meantime, make sure you have subscribed. Make sure you have clicked the notification bells and make sure that you come back here each and every day where we will keep you locked on Reds every single day.